everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I was fantastic until you made me watch this episode, and then I'm sad. I didn't make you. I didn't make you watch this episode, Matt. You made you watch this episode. I mean, that's fair. Okay. But I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. Gain access to all of our bonus content for $5 a month. Gain access to that much, 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 much more. Uh, it's the best deal in podcasting. I've said it before. I say it again. You get so much stuff. We've been doing it for years now. And it's the start of the month. It's never been. It's never a better time to subscribe than at the start of the month. This week's episode is Once Upon a Time in Springfield, episode LABF20, originally aired January 10th, 2010, written by Stephanie Gillis, directed by Matthew Nastuk, received an 8 rating with 14.6 million viewers. This was directly after an NFL playoff game, hence the high rating. I'm not shocked. And also, this comes... Only way this could have gotten high rating. This is also the 20th... This is on the Sunday that they deemed the 20th anniversary of The Simpsons. So after this... They aired a 20th anniversary special, Simpsons on Ice. We've watched it for a bonus episode on the Patreon. So if you want to go listen to that and us talk about that, you can. Um, but it, this is sort of an important occasion. I don't know if they picked this episode specifically to air at this time or it just happened to be here. I don't know. Um, this is also an episode that was, I said this at the end of last week's episode, but I'll say it again, that Al Jean called this one of the five most Essential episodes of The Simpsons. <laughs> Easy. This is this is why no one takes anything you say seriously, Eugene. Okay, uh, you, <laughs> he said it. He said that because he was trying to market this. That is the only reason he said that this is the essential. This is an essential episode. It is the There's opposite. No other. There is nothing essential about this episode. It is. There are some footnotes about it that are it like it's on the 20th anniversary of The Simpsons. There's interesting guests, a couple interesting guest stars. Other than that, incredibly non-essential. I would pick, I would pick more episodes from this season that are more essential than this. He feels like he just picked this one out of a hat. Um, it's crazy to me that he said this. The first episode of the entire show is on that list, and then he pulls this one. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Um. Chalkboard gag, the world may end in 2012, but this show won't. Well, that's certainly true. I mean, that's definitely true, yeah, because it's still going wrong. Here, here we are in 2023. we got two more seasons after this, and I'm presuming it will just keep on rolling until it becomes financially unprofitable. The couch gag, the couch is seen inside a human egg. Each family member is a sperm cell swimming toward and penetrating the egg to sit on the couch. The zygote then divides multiple times, forming a Mr. Bird's embryo, whose first words are excellent. It's not a bad idea for a couch gag, but <laughs> but it's gross. This is gross, man. Well, yes. Yeah. Um, it's not the grossest thing in this episode. Oh, God, no. It, 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 ooh, not even close. <laughs> There's a little teaser ooh. for later, guys. Um, the episode guest stars. This is a, a, a lot of guest stars. Uh, Anne Hathaway returning. She's already guested once on The Simpsons. Now she's guesting again, this time as Princess Penelope. We have Jack and Jackie Mason returning as Rabbi Hyman Krastovsky. We have Eartha Kitt as herself. Eartha Kitt passed away between when she recorded her lines and the airing of the episode. So this area, this episode. Oh my God, really? Oh. Why do you think she's she's not actually? Why do you think they have her on television? 
Uh, that's why they did it. Um, but the episode is dedicated to her, so that's nice. Um, and they clearly worked around the fact that she had passed. Because um, I guess they didn't want it to be morbid, but I don't know why you couldn't just have it. I don't know. It's not like the Simpsons are existing necessarily at the same time and place we are. Whatever. Also, guest stars also Gary Larson as himself, uh, a famous far side cartoonist. I'm a big fan of. We have Anne Marie Slamarche as appearing as a nuclear power plant security guard. Brought in Maurice Lamarche for which I missed that one until I was looking at the notes later. I was like, oh man, I I love Maurice Lamarche. He's great. Um, but yeah, he has one line. Uh, so it is in memory of Eartha Kitt, who passed away. Um, I I don't really I don't blame the guest stars. Uh, Anne, no, it's not their fault. Even Anne Hathaway, it's not her fault. Not her fault. She didn't write the show. Uh, she didn't produce it. All she did was play Princess Penelope. Um, this episode begins with Krusty uh, doing an act with uh, Mr. T. It's the middle of the Krusty Clown Show. The family is watching. Krusty is firing flaming arrows at Mr. T, and they're doing it back and forth. He beats up Mel a little bit. Uh, we cut to the family watching this. They're entertained. They make there's a joke about violence on television from Marge. I don't, I I don't understand why they put some of the things in this episode in this episode all together. This episode has three or four different plots, and they can't. I'm with you for the three. You'll have to explain the fourth to me. I don't yeah. really know. Like that's just me. Like you could spin off a, mu- a bunch of different episodes in here, and some of them are retreads. But reg- whatever. There's a bunch True. of different episodes in here, and because they don't focus on any of them, none of them get enough time, and it, none of it's good. Um, it just feels like a bunch of stuff slammed together. Um, we cut to from the family being laughing at the show, then to backstage at after the show, as Krusty has ended the the taping, I suppose, and he's talking some network execs who say they need a big change. Great show, Krusty. Terrific. We've got to make changes. Big changes. These are your ratings with young girls. Hey, if my writers knew how to appeal to girls, they wouldn't be writers. First of all, we love being in the crusty business. The subtitle, we don't trust you at all. Anyway, we're giving you a new female co-star and she starts Monday. What? A new co-star? Suppose I refuse to go along with this. Then we've got an entire reality show all set to pick the new you. Hey, hey, I'm non-union. Okay, okay, change the show however you want. Make it exactly like the other crap on your network, but just let me stay. Oh, just don't fire me. Now that's groveling. I do appreciate the subtitles they gave us. I so that's so. Here's one thing, Matt. So people, they got changed. We got changed across to the clown show. It's starting. What is I guess the a plot of this episode? Um, I say I guess because it doesn't stay the a plot. The show doesn't really matter. Eventually, no, it meanders very heavily. Yeah, it goes way away from. Oh, we need the show to succeed, so we're changing it. They don't care about that. About halfway through the episode, it stops being about that altogether. Um, we cut from this back to Marge, who is making donuts at home for the kids. Um, this gets Homer off on a big long monologue about he loves donuts; they're perfect, and he has some waiting for him at the office. And when I forget, is this one of the songs? I can't remember. No, there's no song here. Matt. Okay, just a long monologue. All right. There's a lot of there, it's 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 kind of poetic. I would say that like I think they Dan Castellan's performance is a little lilting in this. He's trying to evoke. I I feel like he's almost evoking Shakespeare or something like that. You know, like a like classical theater kind of like sing songy monologue. So I don't think you're far off. Um, 
but we follow Homer on his trip to the plant where he's excited about donuts. When he gets there, this is starting technically the B plot where the donuts are gone. What? Oh, pink box. What's going on? I'm afraid your daily donuts are no more. You can't do that. Until Mr. Roosevelt's new deal starts working, this country's still in a depression. I'm spending a fortune on atoms, and we have to cut costs. But we have way more expensive unnecessaries than donuts. Yeah, like the ceiling furniture. Or all the joke ID badges we order. No donuts. No! Donuts! Exactly. Robbie... One, you, like you said, you, this plot has been done several times before. This is basically the start. Uh, I mean, this is the start of the plot where Homer uh, goes to work for uh, Hank Scorpio. And this is also part of Vern's Faircroft and Der Croft work. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just it's been done so many times before and so much better. And like they're they could at least give Mr. Burns a reason. Like it would take that much time to just say, hey, our company health plan costs are up. So you all have to go on diets. Done. This. Like, how hard is that? This is filler. This entire B plot is taking up. It it shouldn't be here. If you want any version of the A plot, I'm not going to say the version they chose is good, but if you want any version of the A plot to succeed, this B plot cannot exist. There is just not enough time with this empty B plot. Nothing happens in it. It is an excuse. They they here. This is literally the line of thinking, Matt. Okay, this is exactly how I read it. They went. Oh, it's a crusty episode. Oh, it becomes about a guest star. Um, Homer's not in it. What do we do? Oh, let's write a B-plot that's about Homer following him around. Nothing happens. It goes in, it literally goes in a circle. It says nothing. It's not funny, but it fills time and it has Homer in the show. That's literally, that's my read on it. It just feels exactly like that. And there's no... There's no laughs in it, so I don't know what it's doing. Like it's fun. it's not like it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's also very boring. <laughs> it's just it's it just is a retread of multiple other episodes they've done, and it doesn't go anywhere new, and it's not funny. So why why have it? Because Homer. That's the only reason I can come up with. Homer's there. We have to have Homer. Um. So we cut back and forth. I'll give him this, Matt. This is the only thing I think. This is the only positive I give this episode. It moves fast. From scene to scene. There's not like a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would say I say that, but then like, I don't know. It feels like that might maybe that's a negative. See, I'm just talking myself even liking this episode even a little bit because I I so thoroughly I, I don't hate it, but I definitely dislike it a lot. Um, maybe I'll hate it by the end of this podcast. So we cut back to Krusty. He's monologuing because he's starting off the show and he doesn't want to change the show. And they're introducing a new female uh, co-host, not a sidekick, be specific. They've said the words co-host. So this new female character, a new female actor, is going to be a co-host to Krusty. He's upset about all this. Um, and this is how he intros, or how he both how both he intros to us to Penelope, and how the Simpsons intro us to Princess Penelope. <laughs> do I keep my princessness? It's not in my jewels or my crown. It's not in the smiles of my handmaids three who hold up the train of my gown. It's the part of me that wants to be 
the girl whom everyone flatters. Cause in her heart, a princess knows she's the only girl who matters. I can't keep watching this dreck. Ah, oh, much better. First girls ruined sex in the city. Now this. I agree, it's cliche, but she does have a certain... <gasps> Unicorn! Oh, that is so fake. You can see the strap on the horn. Just give me this. And here is our, like, plot number three, basically. Yeah. So, here, this is... Al Gina said... In I went in that brief article where he talks about the top top five most essential episodes of The Simpsons. When he talks about this, he's like, "Oh, it's about how Disney and in children's entertainment in general pumps out princesses to make money." Um, first, that's not what this episode's about. <laughs> that's not at all what this episode is about. It touches on that stuff. It's around that thing, which I've said before. This episode's around that idea. Of about, you know, the princess factory. About making a bunch of, you know, selling things to little girls. Um, It's not about, it's around that idea. Is There's no actual satire of, of that at all in this. Zero. There's nothing. Um, If there is, it is in, unintentional, it feels like. Because mostly they don't really focus on the idea of this character, Princess Penelope, and the fact like it's different than she's so much different than the actor than the actress herself and the fact that she's been created by the producers just to you know make the ratings go up with little girls and help sell toys all that stuff it doesn't talk about that at all not even a little bit it's it like you get glances at it when bart goes through a gift shop but the episode's not about that um i think it's the most interesting thing in the episode is lisa's like obsession sudden obsession with princess penelope and i would make the episode about that hey get write this down for fix this episode about okay put a pin on this um because that's the most interesting thing to me is lisa getting interested into in princess penelope and the fact that princess penelope has just been she's being created a whole cloth to sell toys and that there's an interesting dissonance there um and you could touch on Obviously, Disney makes these princesses on purpose to for to sell toys, all that stuff. You could do that. They don't. They don't do that. Um, okay, we get that song. Anne Hathaway, not a bad singer. Not a bad singer at all. I mean, she does a a fine job as Princess Penelope. I mean, I feel like some of the um, uh, Long Islandness of it uh, is a little rough, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's not a big deal. No, the I. Frankly, Matt, that's what I want. I want more of that. Like, if we would get more yeah. Penelope, I think it would actually make the episode better when it's actual Penelope, not Princess Penelope. We get a lot of Princess Penelope, not so much regular, just Long Island Penelope. Um, but she's a Anne Hathaway sung in, in lots of stuff, and she's. I think she does a, a decent job. I don't think she's the best singer in the world, but considering that she's also acting, on top of all that, I think she does. She does very well. Um, it's nothing. Uh, that happens in this episode is her fault, really. Uh, she's a, a, an avowed Simpsons fan, and you know they probably came to her and said, "Hey, you want to be on the show again?" She went, "Yeah, of course." Um, they maybe and they wrote her a bigger part than she had last time. I go, "Okay, maybe I yeah, sure, give me a bigger part." 
Um, this is our intro. This is Princess Penelope. Uh, she's turning off Bart Milhouse, but she's attracting Lisa and, and ostensibly other girls to the show. This is when we cut back to the quote-unquote beer B plot. It's a beer plot. Ha 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 ha. Because the guys are at the bar. Um, can you do you okay, Matt? Without looking at the notes, do you remember the name of this recruiter that they meet? I want to say it's Rex something or other. <laughs> Rex nope, Banner. Nope, definitely not even close. No, it's Gator. <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of a lot like a Rex. He's Banner. he's a little bit like a Rex Banner. Um, this is where we. This is where I got a I got a lot of clips from the first act. Literally no clips in the my my second my second act. Um, my third in the third act because there's just nothing. Um. We meet Gator Bacall. That's his name. Uh, he's a headhunter, a recruiter, and he's gonna, he wants to poach uh, Homer, Lenny, and Carl. Get them to work at the capital city nuclear plant. Gator McCall. I'm a headhunter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a corporate recruiter who specializes in nuclear workers. I guess these days, headhunters can be anything. You nuclear workers have no idea how valuable you are. Times have never been better for your industry, now that all the protesters who marched in front of nuclear power plants are dying off from radiation poisoning. Are these business cards or passports to a better future? Those are business cards. Nice. I just... This is a scene. It, it exists. This is like 2010, 2011. I just... <laughs> I'm tired of the anti-nuclear crap. Like this is this is the 2010s. Okay, no, no, I'm done. I'm done with I, all this. I, I this episode still ex- the the some of the writing stuff still exists in 1990. But, um, yeah, nuclear power is 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 pretty safe and actually probably are one of our along with you know a lovely serv like a uh, what a variety of you know solar and wind um, is probably the way we should power our future. Use those three as be a cornerstones of their, their future power needs. Um, it's fine. None of this matters. Why? Why do we need gate? Why do does this need to be a character? Why do we need a character here? Why do we need Gator McCall? Why does he have to have a name? You know, why does it like this isn't important? We don't. He's not funny. Like they make a joke about Homer being scared because he says he's a headhunter. Yeah, okay. Um, Krusty. We come back to Krusty. He's upset because the audience has his normal audience. It's another day, presumably. Um, also, we have no idea what the passage of time is. How many days has this been, Matt? No clue. We have no idea. Three days a week? How long have this? How long have Homer and the guys not had donuts? We have no clue, and it doesn't matter to the plot. So. It doesn't matter. Exactly. So we have no, again, no idea about the passage of time. Krusty's upset that there's no boys in his audience because they girls don't buy cigars. Um, basically, Penelope is starting to basically take the show away from him. Uh, the girls obviously are there for her. They don't care about Krusty. Um, and he's kind of being slowly phased out of the show. And you might say, oh, that's not a bad idea for a plot of Krusty being taken, like his own show being taken from him by this kind of Disney princess. And that's not what the show is. That's not what this episode's about. It may, what fe- may feel like what it's about now does not. It does not stay that way. Um, Penelope sings another little jingle, uh, another little princess song. It's like maybe 10 seconds of audio. We get meta commentary from Millhouse about being a psychic, that he's not aware that he's a psychic, et cetera, et cetera. We go to commercial. That's seven minutes and 30 seconds, and I am tired. <laughs> Indeed we do. Don't worry, Rob. I'm going to pick it up and just play a whole bunch of clips because okay. this is a surprisingly short act. It's only like, it's less than four minutes. 
Uh, and all it is is just pushing the plot forward as fast as we possibly can because we've got to get through at least three different plots here. So we're going to start out with Bart doesn't like Krusty anymore. Want to come in and get your sister with me? Hell no. Watch your language. Now, why the hell not? Aw, oh, the Krusty show sucks now. It's all pink and princessy. Why are great things always ruined by women? The Army, the Fantastic Four. Think how awesome American Idol would be with just Simon and Randy. <laughs> oh, Bart, you say that now, but when you're grown up, you'll just think it. Now, you stay here and I'll get your sister. What the? Where's all your crusty stuff? Right through that magical door. Crusty? <laughs> Snap out of it! You're crusty down! One of Look Magazine's 100 Most Promising Clowns of 1958! Oh, a lot of suicides in that group. Funny suicides. <laughs> but still, my day is over, kid. What are you talking about? Whose name is on that sign? Oh! <laughs> hey, how did this one get way over here? What the... Oh, that's it. I've hit rock bottom. Well, my comeback starts now. I mean now. Ow! Let me start by getting out of the dumpster. Oh, why do clown things always happen to clowns? So, yes, Bart finds Krusty in a dumpster, and they decide to work together to get Krusty his show back. And then we get a whole bunch of shtick, like a minute and a half of shtick. And I guess that's fine if you need jokes, but... I feel like classic Simpsons were better about mediating the kind of like clown type shtick we get. It's, it's, it was once in a while. It wasn't this extended of a bit because they needed some kind of humor here. And they just decided that the the actual funny pits, the uh, like them looking at a poster of Krusty the Clown and having the you know poster guys come by and put a big uh, splash of Penelope uh, over top of it was not funny enough. They needed actual slapstick. I just I don't know why. Matt, I will. This is maybe the mildest of defense I can offer. I this episode, this is bit is perfect. I don't mind it really. It's fine. Um, this you know, crusty. I think crusty going. Why does clown stuff always happen to clowns? Like, okay, <laughs> that's not bad to me. It's more about none of this matters. This does not make True. sense in context of the second half of this episode. The second half of the A plot, which is like two to three plots all mushed together, turns into an entirely different thing. It doesn't make sense to have a Bart, you know, like worried about Krusty, finding him in like the alley behind the studios and with a dumpster full of toys and Krusty himself gets thrown in the dumpster. Like like Krusty at his lowest makes zero sense in the context of the rest of this episode. This scene does not shouldn't be here. Like I they wrote I presume they wrote it because they thought it would be funny. I don't know, but it doesn't make any it if this is a scene you cut. You go, yeah, there's some, but I presume they went, but I like those jokes. So they kept it. This doesn't make sense with what happens basically right, you know, within 2 minutes of this is when we get the sudden shift into a different a different plot effectively 
you wouldn't have this at all. You would just have the, I would move the other thing earlier and transition if you want to do it. I don't think you should, but that's what they do. They just have both and they're and to make both worse instead of making one of them better. I don't mind the gag. Well, yeah, it, the gag's fine. It's trusty being a clown. That's okay, I guess. I like the gin sandwich. Uh, he makes a gin sandwich. Gin sandwich was good, yes. Yeah, that's whenever. It's not, like, I, just, I don't I, know. I feel like they could have spent this time. Like, they, they could have skipped right from Krusty being sad about this to him barging on a Penelope and demanding his show back and all that stuff. They could have skipped all this Bart plot and used it to better the relationship between Krusty and Penelope, and they just didn't. Well, that's the thing, Matt. Like, if you boil what they make this episode about is Krusty and Penelope, Bart barely matters. Lisa doesn't matter at all, even though she's she reappears multiple times. Like they're trying to include her for some reason. I don't know why. Like I, I think her her plot with Penelope is way more interesting than Bart being upset with Krusty for the thousandth time. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't do it. I don't know. They, in fact, do not. No. But it doesn't matter because we're on to the B plot. <laughs> uh, we are heading back to Homer and the guys. They're touring the Capital City nuclear plant uh, where everything is clean. Everyone is super happy. Everyone gets lots of time off and you know they're well paid for their jobs. And instead of uh, being allowed to put Farside uh, comics on their workstations, they have Gary Larson who will just whip you off a, a Farside off the top of his head. Uh, because he, he works for them. He's the in, in-house cartoonist for the Capital City nuclear plant. Why? Who knows? Maybe Gary Larson would be part of the Simpsons. I That's mean, fine. This is, this is fine. I'll say selfishly, Matt, I really, I love Farside. I love Gary Larson. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad he's here, I guess, but it doesn't make any sense in context of anything else. No, because as soon as it's done, it's gone. We never see him again. We never, we see, we, we goes, we never see the Capital City nuclear plant again. No, we don't. We barely get to see Homer and the guys again. Yeah. Yeah. So we go back to uh, Krusty and Penelope. And this is the scene I was saying we could skip right to. We could, if we really wanted to make this about Krusty and Penelope, which it seems to be what they want the episode to be about, the writers, we could skip right to this scene because this is this is it. This is where we go from here. Uh, it's also really gross. And we're just going <laughs> to go with that. Wait, hold on. Coming! Now see here, little Miss Scene Stealer. I'm the star of the show. You're just the reason people tune in. Krusty, there's something I have to tell you. No, no, let me finish. I work like I drink, alone, or with a monkey watching me. Krusty, I love you. That way, if I pass out, he turns me on my side, so you what? I have loved you since I was a 12-year-old girl in Mineola, Long Island, watching your show. WDQT? They had this fat, pathetic station manager. That was my father. Great guy. I still have my crusty club ring. I wasn't popular because I was more beautiful and friendly than everyone else. But whenever I looked at this ring, I knew I had one friend. You know, those rings came with a membership card. That's the one. Oh, my God. Please don't tell me I died on the operating table again. You didn't. This is real, Krusty. <laughs> so, yes, this is how we end Act 2 with Krusty, who was an adult on television when this uh, girl was 12, uh, and her just throwing herself at him and him totally going along with it. Oh, man. I know. It, it, even if this was supposed to be like 1995 and she was 12, Krusty was the most promising clown in 1958. What even? 
This, okay. There is a, you didn't include it in the clip, but we get a little bit of just, it's Penelope by herself talking on the phone. And she has, she acts, she has a Long Island accent, which you can talk about how good a Long Island accent that is. It, it's, a, it's a little bit over the top, but I don't really mind that it's over the top, honestly, for this kind of portrayal. Um, and that, there, how long, and that's maybe, at most, it's 30 seconds we get of Penelope alone. Okay? Maybe. It might, it's probably less than that. But we hear that Penelope, Princess Penelope, is wholly distinct from this Long Island Penelope. They're very different people. And that's the interesting thing to me. In all of this episode, that's the thing, that is the kernel that I would pull at. I would, uh, you know, the thread I would follow. Where, oh, this actress isn't this, you know, you know, regal and and perfect woman that's this princess. She's just an, an actress that, you know, she's doing this to make money. She's portraying this part so that they can sell merchandise and make this television show for little girls. And this is not her. And the, the that that kind of a, the, the, the distance there, that gap between those two personalities is the interesting thing. The fact that, oh, she's so different from the princess that she plays. Let's explore that. Let's, like, does she even want to be a princess, Penelope? Is she just doing this because it's the easiest way to make a quick buck? Is it, Does she actually want to be a good role model for little girls? Like, there's all so many different things you can pursue. There's her, you know, maybe that she is wants to be a good role model, but the producers want her to make money primarily they don't really care about they want her to sell shield toys and and merchandise and that's in that could be a really interesting counterpoint to crusty who is a sellout he doesn't care you you buy his alarm clock his pregnancy test all his dolls his posters whatever and and i and like there's that brief amount of time that brief window in this episode where you're like oh okay that could be interesting and then immediately it's just thrown into a trash can. It's thrown into the garbage and they light it on fire. Um, this is one of those moments where you're like, oh no, what have they done? <laughs> where they, and like, it's not even that, oh, Krusty is a sleaze bag, so he goes along with it. They make it seem like this is just, oh yeah, it's it's a romance. It's sweet. It, excuse me? Really? Is it? Is it? Excuse me? Because I... I, I I would like to add something to this because the sad thing is when it comes to TV writing, this kind of thing is still relatively common. I was watching the new That 90s Show last night, uh, and in one of the episodes uh, – Oh, no. I'm a glutton for punishment, Bobby. I know. I know. <laughs> in one of the episodes – I get that this takes place during the 90s, but the uh, one of the characters has not had her first kiss. So the climax of the episode is her going up to some random guy in the mall food court and just kissing him. He's not into it. He doesn't want it. He just – and, it's, it's just, and everyone is like, yeah, high five. And I'm like, excuse me, what? This is 2023. She just basically assaulted that poor boy and everyone's cool with it and happy with it. Like, what? And it's the same kind of thing that's going on here is like the writers. I mean, this was, you know, 10 years, 10, 12 years ago. But like, oh, so it's OK that they're like 50 years apart. And <laughs> Krusty is not quite her boss, but almost like. Who who was okay with this? It, like, the, it, there is... It, it is a thing that a lot of people, I think, just accept. 
in their lives as a normal thing. For a long time, it's been, oh, it's normal. That's normal. It's a, not a big deal. Even though it's there's a huge power power imbalance because of the and it's not the age to me, Matt. It's really not the age difference. That's not a that's not the biggest part of this. True, true. That's not the. It's a little weird, but it could work. But it's the power imbalance. It's the fact that she was a little girl and was a fan of him growing up, and she reveals all of this information. She says, "Oh, I love you," and I I was a member of your club, and she still has the card, and then she just pushes herself on him, and. You would, you could like spin it back to like Krusty going, oh, this, no, I don't want to, this isn't right. I don't want to do this. And, but they don't portray it as like, this is strange or anything. They portray it as just an honest romance. And their coworkers, they're on this, like, she's getting more popular than him. So I don't even, it's not even that that bothers me, honestly. It is the fact that she was a little girl and was a fan of him then. And now she's a grown woman. And so she loves him. And it's just like, this is where Krusty, would be like, oh no, this is inappropriate. We shouldn't do this. Uh, you're, we, I appreciate that you were, you've been a fan of me my, your entire life, but th- that's why we should stay strictly professional. And you could even have a story about Krusty coming to terms with that and realizing that this is all wrong. But they don't ever get there. It's all about no, this is romantic. This is like good for like their relationship is happy and good and stuff. And. They almost get there, sort of, at the end, sort of, but then they don't. I don't understand it at all. But this is gross. Uh, it's gross, and it makes the whole rest of this episode gross. I don't, like, there's nothing about it that everywhere I go, oh, yeah, this is sweet. I'm like, no. No, it's not. It's gross. The whole time. Gross. Yep. <sighs> we come back from commercial 11 minutes and 14 seconds. Uh, Krusty and Penelope apparently love each other now. Like they're just yeah, they're whole... super into each other. It, it seems like it, that that makes sense for uh, Penelope's character. Why is Krusty into it so quickly? It's again there, and there's never any. Again, I don't, I don't know. It, they just don't show. There's no scenes of them falling in love. There's no scenes of like they they show stuff later of like uh, Krusty being gross at the wedding. Like Bart tries to break it up, and you think like, oh, they would see things in here. They don't to give. Penelope hints. They make Penelope is not a character, by the way. Penelope is a caricature. She's not human. She doesn't. She has no. Her. She does not have her own wants and needs. She exists solely to be a woman that Krusty can be related, like be involved with. That's all she is. She is as good. She's she's a level below one of the like the Seinfeld joke girlfriends. Like they have yeah. more character than she does. Yeah, because they have both good and bad things about them. Penelope just has, oh, she's a princess who likes Krusty. That's literally all of her personality. And she doesn't ever, she doesn't want anything. She just wants to be with Krusty. And you're like, but we just get revealed that in literally a single scene. We don't know. And they, okay. So they love each other. Now the show has changed drastically now. The show is about them. Is this still a children's show? That's a question I have. Um we are we we get another song there's lots of songs lots of songs in this there's like four or five songs they're all very short for the most part except for that first one but there's a lot of it um and i get like it feels like again it's like a, a it is them hinting or moving slightly towards that oh it's a disney princess satire thing but it never goes anywhere they just they're just songs here again it feels like part of a different story um lisa does a presentation as a princess for inspirational women day again this feels like it's pointing towards that plot 
they don't ever develop it. Because then we cut back to the B-plot. Because the guys are getting massages in Capital City. And this is, I guess, a, a perk for working at the Capital City nuclear plant. They're still not sure if they want to work at the Capital... Like, Capital City is like an hour away, right? Right, yeah, that'd be a heck of a commute. They're going to commute an hour, both two two hours a day? Are they moving to Capital City? Like we like they don't care. It doesn't. They don't care about that. This is, is this just to fill time? Smithers is there spying. Smithers is in a Capital City massage parlor, apparently spying. Um, and calls Mister Burns and tells him that he's going to lose some workers. Which now Burns cares about this? Okay, doesn't matter. So we get more of this new Krusty show. There's another song. Um, I don't know who the show is for. Again, this is not for little girls. It's not for little boys. It's not for anyone, really, except for Krusty and for Penelope, presumably. And then Krusty proposes on camera. In the show, he proposes to Princess Penelope. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How long has it been since Penelope has been on the Krusty show? We have no clue. We have no idea. It could have been, it could be a month. could be three months. could be a week. It's impossible to know. They don't care. Again, we have no timeline on any of this. There's no context. I have no idea how long they've been together. There's not even a montage of them spending time together, going on dates. Like, they're not human. Human people go, they court. This isn't like 1812 and like, they're just like, oh, yep, guess we're going to get married. And they just agree to it. They court. They go on dates. They try and be, like know each other. No, we don't care about any of that. Um... Bart, of course, is distraught over this. We don't... I say, of course. Why would he be? Why does he care? Does he think the show's going back to the normal Krusty show? If he gets rid of Penelope? I mean... Maybe? I, I, we have no idea what Krusty is thinking. So here, we have... We have... A, 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 as part of this episode, that is Bart wanting the Krusty... Sh- like, not liking the new direction of the Krusty show. We have... Uh, the Krusty show not being successful enough, so they're introducing a princess character. We have Penelope and the Krusty romance story. We have Lisa being invested in the new princess character. And we also have the B-plot, which is Homer and the guys getting lured to work at Capital City Power Plant. All of this is going on. And all of it is done poorly. None of the plots have any focus. So again, you get 30% 30% of what you need for every single one. But Milhouse proposes to Bart that they ruin the wedding. Okay. We go to commercial. Final commercial. Matt gets a huge fourth act. This fourth act is so long. 14 it, minutes it's and It's much longer than you. Usually the fourth act is practically vestigial. It's like, let's wrap it up. One scene. Let's go. But no, this, is, this starts at 1435 and goes for the next six minutes. It, it's a third of the episode. Mm-hmm. So, um... We finally get the denouement uh, to the nuclear power plant plot, I guess I could call it. <laughs> the guys start to leave the nuclear plant. Uh, Mr. Burns shows up uh, to plead for them to not go. <laughs> Gentlemen, please don't leave me. Sir, I'm afraid it's too late. Oh, I imagine Cap City's been wooing you with trips to the seashore, a Christmas goose, Spanish lemons. For all I can't afford to match. But please, accept this little going-away present. (laughs) You can't win us back with mere donuts. 
Oh, but these aren't just any doughnuts. These doughnuts were made the old-fashioned way. The dough is sweetened with Cuban sugar from pre-Batista plantations. Then it's deep-fried in the tallow of three different animals, two of which are now extinct. Hmm? That is the most amazing donut I've ever tasted! Well, if you stay on at the Springfield Nuclear Plant, you could have one of these tasty beauties every day. One of these every day might kill us. Can we get a health plan to go with them? True, you can have a health plan. Or two donuts a day. And that's it. That's the end. All that wonderful stuff overwritten by... Magical donuts, I guess. I, I, I don't know, Rob. <laughs> Again, there's nothing to this. Like, why is it here? I don't know. No idea. Yeah, donuts. They're great. Like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> what is it? Is it really the moral of the story is that workers will choose donuts over health plans? Like, you already did that story, man. You made a whole episode about it. Okay. Okay. So. Moving on from that, we go back to the original plot. We have the wedding um, at uh, Springfield Country Club. And it is a large, large, lavish affair. Krusty's father, Rabbi Krasovsky, is uh, doing uh, the the honors. He is performing the ceremony. Everyone shows up. uh, And Bart comes is takes the place of the ring bearer and shows up to basically try and scare Penelope uh, into not marrying Krusty. And this is a long clip, but let's be honest, it, it it wraps up most of the episode at this point. Princess, before you marry Krusty, there's someone you should meet. Holly Hippie, Krusty's sidekick in 1969 and his first wife. He wouldn't let me watch the moon landing. I was jealous of Neil Armstrong. And his last wife, Eartha Kitt, recorded this before her untimely death. They were only married for six hours, but she still hated Krusty. He was asleep for five of those hours, and the one he was awake was a catastrophe. Wow. 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 This is such an eye-opener. I am blown away by how little this bothers me. I really love this guy. And you are the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And that's why I can't marry you. This kid and his ugly sister are right. I won't be good enough for you. You can never disappoint me. I know your past. Your mugshots. Your bowling alley shoe spray addiction. Your country album. They don't bother me. They don't? Don't you love me? Princess... You're the only woman I care about enough to ditch at the altar. Okay, Krusty. If that's how you feel, we'll always have Sideshow Mel's dressing room. What? Ew. So, yes, this is... I. It's, it's not the end, which is the weirdest part. This is basically everyone in the world trying to scare Penelope away and her going... Nah, it's cool. I still love Christy. I still love this old man who was a, my favorite when I was a child, and I'm going to marry him no matter what. I. <laughs> well, Krusty leaving, Matt, okay? It is the right idea, right? It is. It's the right idea that okay, none of this episode. There, it, <laughs> I feel like I'm explaining how to write a story to children. <laughs> but it's really. If. 
this is the story of this ep- the story of this episode because this is what is all building like the whole fourth act is literally all about crusty and penelope the wedding will it will it go off will everything will they end up together all that stuff you would have scenes before this where they have doubts you know where crusty would have doubts where crusty would realize where you maybe they go on a date here i'm writing this scene it's a free scene uh for this theoretical episode that would have been at least better where they go out on a date and penelope references something you know she makes a reference a cultural reference she 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 talks about a new tv show right something she grew up on right um and Krusty's like, Krusty's oblivious because he's too old. He doesn't know the reference. And you do this once, twice, three times, and you real and Krusty maybe Krusty starts to think like, we don't really have anything in common. Like all like, and Krusty can go like soul search and realize like, I just like her because she's young and pretty, and she reminds me of what it was like to be young. And I so I don't want. It. And eventually Krusty goes and Krusty's and or and you allude to his past bad behavior. He's like, yeah, I've had bad. I've had I've been married before. It never worked out. And you have like maybe flashbacks to him doing irresponsible things and him feeling guilty about it over time. And then and that would at least connect the dots to this point where Krusty goes, nah, you're better off without me, kid. Um, how would that work in the context of the Krusty show? I don't know. This episode doesn't care. So, yeah, it's like, what do you do? Um, no clue at this point. <laughs> okay, Matt. So, th- what you what you just said? This episode isn't over. No, this episode has another couple of minutes at least. Two minutes. Two minutes. So, from here, after Krusty walks out, we cut to Princess Penelope singing. Uh, oh God, what is she singing? I forgot something about moonlight. Moon River. Moon River, thank you, Moon River. A little, a little uh, was it Andy Williams? <laughs> I, Moon River, River is pre- predates Andy Williams, but yes, he is. Oh, okay, it's well, a, it's that's a standard. That's what the Simpsons told me. Who the yes. most important singer? Yes. Is. Thank you, Nelson. Um, so she's singing this in Paris, or no, no, sorry, is it Paris or Venice? It's France, because well, it's France. There really aren't any. It's not like we get clues that it's really Paris, but Tintin's there, man. Tintin takes. I thought Tintin was Dutch. She she also I don't it says on Wikipedia it says Paris I was pretty sure it's in France I'm pretty sure this is yeah Tintin is no Tintin is he's by a Belgian cartoonist so Belgian Bel- Belgium France Belgium's made up country that's a joke it's not really made up country but it, they speak French I I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be Paris France because it's romantic. Right. So she is singing. Uh, and Anne Hathaway has a lovely singing voice. I just want to get that out there. I, 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 blame, I blame none of this on Anne Hathaway. She is wonderful. Uh, and I, I honestly want her to have her own animated show that's not that's written better. But she sings Moon River. She sounds lovely. We have Tintin and the captain from Tintin having a lovely date, uh, essentially. And when she's done with her performance, Penelope walks across a bridge uh, over a, a very you know small river. And sees a ship going by, a tour boat. I've been on a tour boat like that. That's why. That's why I thought it was France because I've been on that exact tour boat that looked exactly like that. And when she looks down into the water, she thinks she sees Krusty standing next to her. And she turns to look and says, "Oh, no, it's it's a dream. I'm he's not actually there." But of course, then we get Krusty who's in the water yelling, "No, I'm really here. I just fell off the boat when I saw you." And so she jumps in with him, and they swim away together. Until the next episode when this all gets reset. 
<laughs> together, Matt. 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 I'm gonna. I'm not gonna yell. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna yell. I promised myself I would not yell anymore on this podcast. So it upsets my dog, and I love my dog. But you have no idea the thoughts going through my mind. I'm holding my microphone like it's like a death grip right now because it's like it's the only thing I can. I can. I need something to hold on to. This is bananas. This is crazy. They, she is Penelope. I guess so distraught. This is again. They don't tell us any of this. We just have to tell the story to ourselves. I guess you have to construct the the plot and story in your own mind. It's the only way this any of these episodes make sense. She goes to France, Paris, presumably, and, and is like doing cafe singing. She's wearing all black. She's not in her princess outfit anymore. She's singing to cartoon characters for some reason. I don't know why Tintin's here. It's so silly. It, again, the. They can't help themselves. It is so absurd to me. Like, they want to make this, like, sad, melancholy. Oh, she's sad. She's upset because of she lost Krusty. Uh, but then they throw in a car- cartoon characters. And why wouldn't you just have normal people there? If you really want to sell the melancholy and sadness, you don't have fantastical elements here. You have normal people. And then you... Okay. I but we follow Princess Penelope. She doesn't ever show up again in the show. She's gone forever. This is like what do why do we why are we following her? Oh, it's because she and Krusty get back together. The only thing this episode does right is having Krusty decide not to stay with Penelope because it's not appropriate. And what they they do, they backtrack it immediately. Immediate, like not there's no scenes in between zero scenes in between these Krusty leaves her at the altar we cut directly to her an indeterminate amount of time later we have no idea and she's singing she gets back with Krusty in a river in France <sighs> gross <laughs> this is so gross indeed it's gross and Matt and that this is it is I can't. I couldn't even write something so absurd if I tried. Right after this, they cut to end credits. Do you know what? Do you remember what it? The, the they have a, a little a title card. You know what it says? I do not remember. Oh, it's thanks for twenty years, right? Thanks for twenty years, and then do you remember? Here's to twenty more or something like no, that. No, 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 no. Here's to twenty years. Thanks for twenty years. The best is yet to come. Ooh. Hmm. Are you sure about that? Hmm. Real we had sure. an episode that unfocused, unfunny, boring, insane, and fill and and has a relationship where Krusty at mo me this is me being generous. Krusty's in his fifties. Okay, Matt. That's me being like very fat, playing very fast and loose with the timeline. Right. That's me. Me being generous. Krusty's in his fifties. And him getting married, dating, getting married to a girl who was 12 when she started watching him on television. Without us ever discovering any facts about her life other than she grew up in Long Island and she loves Krusty. That's all we know about Penelope. There's literally nothing else to know about her because there is nothing else about her. That's all she exists to do in this show is to be those things. She doesn't have wants or needs. She has no motivation. Um... 
her life is centered around and and if like if i'm gonna spin that out that tells me that she did all of this to get close to crusty right that's one possible motivation. Maybe she's a social climber, and this whole thing with Krusty was just to, I mean, if we discount the last scene in, entirely, maybe this whole thing was just to get, you know, higher up in the entertainment world. That That's a possibility, but we don't get to see any of that. We don't see any of the possibilities because they don't care. Uh, because there's a million plots in this episode. They're all, none of them are pursued thoroughly. Um, this episode is very bad. I really don't like it. Um, we will rank it at the end of the show. Please ask me a question, Matt. Robbie, obviously this is broken, but how broken is it? No, you were right the first time with that quick fix idea. Let's see. Quick fix. Quick fix. Uh-huh. Um, I... Yes, it's broken. Obviously it's broken. Um, it, there's... Here, Matt. The thing that interests me the most about this episode is the one that I'm going to make an episode about. And, okay. and I'm going to follow Al Jean's mission statement. Okay, Algene's mission statement is like we wanted. We were trying to make a thing that sad parodies the fact that the, you know the Princess Factory, right? And in Disney and in companies like Disney, other entertainment companies making princess characters to try and sell things to little girls, and that's what he says. So I'm going to follow that. Follow that straight to the end. Where the most interesting thing to me is Princess Penelope, the fact that she exists in these dual lives as princess and then as a normal girl who grew up in Long Island, not fancy, not special, and have Lisa entranced by this princess character at first. And then she gets, Lisa gets to know this real, like it's a little bit Malibu Stacy, right? It's a little bit like her, you know, Lionheart Lisa, you know, cause she mm-hmm. meets the real quote unquote, Malibu Stacy. Um, it's a little bit there, but this is, I think, it, it taking more of a target towards Disney um, and the fact that these Lisa can, you know, say, oh, yeah, it's a stereotypical and it's, it, it plays in that same ballpark. But I think it's different enough that it gets to work. Lisa gets to know Penelope, the real Penelope, and they together kind of battle out through what the network wants. I would say Penelope starts with the Krusty show. Penelope gets her own spinoff show. She doesn't stay with Krusty because it doesn't make any sense. Um, I frankly wouldn't spend any time with Krusty in this episode. Doesn't even, it doesn't matter. Uh, Krusty can be a B-plot. Maybe he can be he can be there for the A-plot, but he's if Krusty's there, it is solely to demonstrate that he is a sellout. He is fine shilling. Penelope doesn't want to do that stuff, right? Penelope wants to be a princess that girls want to be, not just someone who sells them toys. And that's the whole plot. There's no there's no B plot with donuts. Bart is not there. He might again, he might there to be tell joke once in a while, but the plot isn't about him and he's certainly not trying to screw up weddings. How many times is Bart going to try and screw up weddings? Um that's what this episode is. That's the thing I find interesting. I don't want this young woman to be married to a a man she idolized when she was a child when she was prepubescent yeah that's just it's it's creepy and it's uninteresting and it's just there are so many better things you could do with this woman who is really interesting this character who is really interesting um i was gonna ask you matt this is a brief aside did you have you heard of a show called kevin can f himself i have heard of that i don't know anything about it though it's a show that was on AMC. It ran for two seasons. Um, but when you brought up that 90s show and the way that it writes sitcoms, um, still to this day, uh, 
that show is about a what looks like a normal sitcom like it pivots back and forth between what would be a normal sitcom whenever kevin the dad is on screen it show it it looks like a normal sitcom it looks it looks like king of queens because it's named after uh the show that kevin james did after king of queens but whenever he's not on screen it makes it look like a family drama where the wife is being basically tortured by her existence oh wow now i want to watch that <laughs> that sounds amazing well it pivots back and forth i i think my it, you could criticize like it it maybe you don't need to do a whole like seasons of television about it like you get the you gotta get it after a couple episodes you're like oh i understand what they're doing um but that's probably only why it lasted two seasons but it's very interesting uh it's very counter to uh you know normal it shows the kind of the faults of even typical sitcom writing um and and like it, this is not too far off where we just don't even think about the fact that it's just so gross this is and but that's the that's my fix this is a make it Lisa and Penelope. Why is Krusty here? <laughs> yeah, I, I was man. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> like you're not mad. You're just disappointed. It's just I'm so disappointed. Like why would you write this, man? It's like do you not? Does no one have a red flag when they write a scene where Penelope first says, "I was 12 when I first started watching you," and then she pushes herself on him, and Krusty likes it, and he, they make a gross noise off camera, and you're like, "Man, what are you doing?" That is not ideal. No, Ugh, Simpsons, man, you're supposed to get better. It's season 21. Everyone tells me 20 get better, and we've had a couple okay ones lately. I thought, okay, let's move on. They, they, well, there are there are a higher proportion of good episodes to terrible episodes, but yeah, eh. eh, is the right way to say it. But we move on to our next segment. It's time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt dot nerd dot obsessive. Comments to the news show their thoughts on the episode. They leave a review. I read it on the air. First from Derek. Al Jean considers this essential? Essential in what way exactly? Essential in curing insomnia, perhaps? My god, boring. Good lord, where were the jokes? Even the hectacular eye roll inducing jokes were absent in this. It was 20 minutes of the dullest, most vapid rubbish I've ever sat through. Never seen it before, mercifully so, because that was a slog to sit through. I was watching it whilst eating my breakfast, so I couldn't be distracted by going on my phone or anything, yet I was still completely zoned out. So, Krusty is another character the HD era just loves. There's a Krusty-focused episode nearly every season from here on out, and they are all just a copy-paste job of this dreck. Not an essential Simpsons episode, more a quintessential zombie Simpsons episode. I can get you. I'm closer to that myself, Derek. From Tim, calling it one of the five most essential seems to be more than a bit of a stretch. Perhaps Al Jean meant a top five post Golden Years episode. One wouldn't be as blown away by that statement. Unfortunately, Tim, he does not. There's no caveats there. He just includes five episodes. The one the, the Simpsons roasting on an open fire. This uh, super califragil super califragilistic expialidocious is another. Trying to think of the two others. There's one other Golden Years one and then another post-Golden Years one. I don't know why he included any of them, aside from the very first episode. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Continuing, it was decent enough. One of the few times in recent memory that I never checked the timestamp. Anne Hathaway having a crush on Krusty. Sure, why not? For what he is, Krusty does get a lot of coverage. I actually found that plot to be somewhat believable, as I did with Homer, Lenny, and Carl being recruited by Gator McCall. Organizations pilfer people all the time, often for less than convincing reasons. I could have done without the, hey, look at me, I'm Gary Larson sidebar, however. Tim, 
don't take Gary Larson from well, me. That was like one of the best parts of the whole episode. Don't take Gary. I mean, like, yeah, he doesn't need to be there, but I like Gary Larson. Uh, finally, from Tim, overall, I'll put it on par with the Maya episode. Maybe it's had worse. I'll say number 265 in canon. Fixed the episode by not having Gary Larson in short in the opener to get a bit more resolution. Tim, I think there's just, we're just not connecting lately. We're, I don't know what it is. Um, from JJ. Yet another one this season, which has the bones of a good episode, yet doesn't reach its full potential. Wish they'd focus more on Krusty feeling insecure, worrying that he's not good enough for Penelope, and how he sabotages his own chances at happiness because he thinks he doesn't deserve it. That's the interesting stuff. Instead, the story progresses at a snail's pace with a bunch of filler and plot threads that don't lead anywhere. Still, I like the ending, and Ralph dresses Princess Leia. I'm a Star Wars. I, we didn't call out the Ralph one. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot about the I'm a Star Wars. All right, all right. I mean, it's fine, but... It's just cheap at this point. Like I don't like I want to laugh at Ralph, but I'm just like it's all we get anymore. Finally from Dara. It was cute and honestly one of the better ones of the last few seasons, but not essential for blatant false advertising on Hal Jean's part. This will only rank as the third best episode of season twenty one. Again, just there's oh boy. just fun like I, I I'm Matt I'm gonna like this is me checking in with you. Okay? I'm not off base, right? About this episode. You are not, no. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're that's checks and balances. That's why we're here, and why we're here for each other. And I've read all these reviews, and all the listeners are like, "Yeah, it's fine for the most part." And I'm like, "Are you, I can't. Maybe I'm just like, am I in a bad mood today? Not really. I'm going to be quite happy after I'm done recording this podcast." Yeah, we <laughs> can forget about this. Yeah, uh, that's it for uh, comments from this group. I uh, appreciate all of you regardless if your opinion is different than mine i appreciate you watching the episode and taking time if you want to join our cavalcade of calamity or parade of pain just join our patreon at any level you can leave your review move on to our next segment it's time for the listener question of the week let's try one more number <gasps> yellow kbbl is gonna give me something stupid well hot dog we have a wiener yellow our listener question of the week this week is what is your favorite non-fiction book and i was a little worried that we weren't going to get a lot of responses for this but why should why did i worry of course our listeners are avid intelligent readers who have a, a wide array of interests that now i have a better to read list which i definitely needed i don't certainly have 50 books that are on my to read list matt take it away all right first up from matt other Matt, the memoir Life by Heath Richards that came out in 2010. It was a long book based off of his early life, his relationship with the Stones, as well as Mick Jagger. The book always kept me on the edge of my seat, wondering if Keith would get away with another drug bust. The audiobook is also worth a pickup. Wow, I cannot imagine. That sounds amazing. Next up from Andy, Canoeing with the Cree by Eric Severide. Maybe? It's about Eric and Walter Port, whom in 1930 just graduated high school, who canoed from Fort Snelling in St. Paul, Minnesota, to York Factory on the Hudson Bay in Canada. It was 2,250 miles long, took four months, and part of the trip was done without the aid of any maps. It's amazing how they accomplished this feat 93 years ago. That is insane. Yeah. Next up from Derek, after Doctor Who came back in 2005, I got Doctor Who The Legend Continues that Christmas. It was an updated reference book comprising the entire series up to that point, so it was absolutely massive. I've been obsessed with the show since I was no age, and you couldn't separate me from this book. I remember I'd insist on bringing it with me to school every day, and my school bag uh, nearly breaking my back every time I put it on. The last page was so tantalizing, the future, series two, with a picture of David Tennant. That future now being 17 years ago, I'm so old. Aren't we all, Derek? Aren't we all? Eric, you're younger than uh, both. From Tim. I know you're but younger than both of us, so I don't want you. Oh yeah, in 2005, that's when I graduated college. So don't even talk to me about this old stuff. 
<laughs> from Tim, Robert Caro's over 1,000-page tome on Robert Moses. Imagine Mr. Burns being in charge of Capital City's infrastructure for over 50 years, and you'd get a clear picture as to how New York City got to be the way it was in 1975. Yeah, that is that is a rough story. Ooh, man. If you think you hate old white people now, just <laughs> read about Robert Moses, and man, it's going to get worse. I also highly recommend the Behind the Bastards episode on Robert Moses. You get to learn why New York City is basically planned on racism. Uh, from Dara, the nerd in me wants to say Freakonomics, but as it gave me an appreciation for finding unexpected answers to problems. The Boston kid in me will go with the Black Mass. Just seeing the horror that Bulger caused the city for years is well worth the read. Uh, yeah. From Tushin, Discover Everything, The Creation of Nothing, A Layman's Manifesto by Jim Robert Bader. He's a fanfic writer whose work I really enjoy, so it was so fun to see his personal philosophy on age-old enigmas. Uh, from at new underscore three... <laughs> Nice. Abraham Lincoln, The Prairie Years and the War Years by Carl Sandburg, one of America's favorite presidents, and mine too, in a biography that is tough to beat in his depth of character from the beginning of his life to his untimely end, a masterpiece. Uh, from Matt D. Jacobson, All the Marvels by At Douglas Wolk. It's an amazing look at the continued continuity of the Marvel Universe from FF1 to the all-new, all-different era from someone who read it all. Ooh. All right, have to check that one out. Uh, from At Stilioto, Nikki Six bio, The Heroin Diaries, superb book for any music fan. Uh, from Matt Ripley WG, I'm a sucker for a big coffee table art book, particularly ones about the creation of animated films. I love following the production of the film from concept art all the way to completion into the Spider-Verse and Mitchells vs. the Machine standout in particular. I got to tell you, Robbie, everyone talks about Into the Spider-Verse, but I slept on Mitchells vs. the Machines for a long time. It's a dang good animated movie. If you've not seen it, even if you're an adult, watch it. It is fantastic. Uh, from at Matt Pat 11, Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination. Uh, from Matt, Matt Laz 1013 Devil in the White City by Eric Larson both about the Chicago World's Fair of 1893 and its creation and H.H. Holmes the killer who preyed on its attendees hmm interesting you never heard the, never uh, heard the story of H.H. Holmes oh I know okay. I, I know all about H.H. Holmes yeah. but uh, you know I, I didn't know there was more to the Chicago World's Fair than that uh, except I believe they did exhibit some Native Americans in, uh, and some African people inside of exhibits to uh, show how they lived so fun uh, from at Rachel Journeys, a Kim Jong-il production tells the incredible story of a South Korean filmmaker along with an actress who were kidnapped to make movies in the North. It is gripping and has a lot of insight into art and survival in a totally closed off place. Highly recommend. It's from, and uh, finally, that from, was going to say, Matt, here's my interjection. Uh, it's by Paul Fisher, who actually commented on the tweet and says he's uh, he has some fans on the Simpsons writing staff. So I will mention Ooh. it. He, I don't know if he intended for that to be read on the podcast, but I'm going to mention it. So. Heck yeah. I mean, honestly, you could, you could take that story and make it into a Simpsons episode. It might be a little rough, but I'm pretty sure it could be done. It I mean, they be did. Better than, they, uh, I mean, they made a movie. Uh, they made basically made a movie about it, but whatever. I'm sure they did, but it's not a Simpsons episode. I mean, it's better than, um, what was the James Franco and Seth Rogen movie? That, That's what I'm uh, talking about. That's effectively what oh. that is. You know. The... Oh, okay. But they weren't South Korean. They were white people. It's a totally different story. No, Matt, that's what I'm saying. When you make oh, them, God. they... You have to change the. It's fine. They're gonna okay. Hollywood gets their hands on things and you know whatever. All right. Finally, from MF Cannon, my favorite nonfiction book is Hiroshima by John Hersey. The book depicting six people who survived the bombing is a really good depiction of World War II. Robbie, what is your answer? I really, I really thought about it a lot, and I don't read as much nonfiction as I do fiction, but I still do read a lot of nonfiction. Uh, I'm gonna cheat and give two answers. One an old favorite and one a new favorite. My old favorite is Have a Nice Day by Mick Foley, professional wrestler. 
um, back in the Attitude Era. Mick Foley is my one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, uh, who most infamously, you know, basically got thrown off the Hell in the Cell uh, mat, and like that's one of the probably most famous wrestling matches in in history now at this point, um, where he got thrown off the top of a cage and fell, you know, twenty feet to a floor and all that stuff. But he's an incredible writer. Um, he's had multiple fiction books published after he wrote his memoirs because he's such a good writer. Um, it's really incredible considering how much punishment his body has taken over the years that he's still so cogent and with it. Um, and if you're a professional wrestling fan, you've never read Have a Nice Day, you definitely should read it. And I would suggest it to basically anyone because it's an interesting look at what wrestling is. It's, it feels it's like a very honest portrayal of the professional wrestling business up until uh, at least during Vic's time. My other recommendation, my new favorite, is a book actually where I listened to the audiobook while I was traveling for the holidays. It's uh, called The Feather Thief, where uh, this was a recommendation um, in nonviolent true crime is apparently a new genre, which that is the kind of that's the people ask me a lot if I like true crime because I'm a horror writer. I'm like, not really. I like nonviolent true crime. And this is about um, a heist of incredibly rare and valuable feathers from a natural history museum in England. And uh, the writer basically follows these feathers and tries to figure out who stole them and why, where are they now? How does it matter? And also gives you a very interesting look into the feather industry and how it grew from basically nothing in like 200 years ago to in the early parts of the 20th century into being like a millions and millions of dollars business to basically being again kind of a very niche niche interest nowadays basically for people who tie um fishing lures for fly fishing to they, they tie flies but they don't tie them to fish with them they tie them to display them it's an it's a very crazy thing but as soon like you listen to it, all you think about is feathers. It's a very, it's very interesting. I really liked it. Um, me and my wife both kind of like were preoccupied with feathers for a few days after we listened to it. <laughs> um, it's very, it's, it's. I know a lot about those birds now more than I ever did. Um, Matt, what is your answer? So I'm going to go with, I think it was Dara uh, who said Freakonomics, uh, because uh, as a, a weirdo who really appreciates economics, I still listen to the Freakonomics podcast and several of its spinoffs. Uh, I've read Freakonomics, Super Freakonomics, and several of them, because um, I will say that it really annoys me when people consider economics a hard science. It is not. It is basically applied psychology. So don't think I'm one of those weirdos who thinks that uh, that people are all rational. And, you know, it, that's just a very stupid idea. I really uh, like the approach that the people who uh, write World Freakonomics, um, who was it, Stephen Dubner and Stephen um, – oh, I can't think of the other one right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, they the approach they take to solving problems and to – asking about the real effects of things and stretching it out to what can economics actually prove is honestly pretty fantastic. Economics can do wonderful things uh, about people in large numbers. If, if you ever uh, read the Asimov novels, foundation series novels, economics is basically psychohistory. Uh, it's just up until now, it was mostly applied to the economy and that sort of thing. That's why it's called economics, but really it's just the psychology of people in large groups and how to motivate them. And it's fantastic. If you've ever read any of those types of books, I can highly, highly recommend them. I'm also partway through Debt, A 5,000-Year History by David Graeber, uh, who passed away recently. Uh, he also has a recent book called The Dawn of Everything. So I'm getting the three for here, Robbie, of three 
three amazing books that I cannot put down because they are always fantastic. You guys, if hey, Freakonomics guys, uh, I know you're really hurt for money. If <laughs> you want to, th- you know, throw some our way for that endorsement, we won't turn you down, okay? We'll take it. That's true. We can totally be part of their network. Yeah. The the, Simpsons, the economics and the Simpsons. I, I, Matt, if, they, if the Freakonomics guys were like, hey, you want to be a part of our podcast network? Yes. Yes, we do. We'll take the, I'll take that. Yes, immediately. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think they're going to. You mean one of the like probably top fifty podcasts in the world? Probably not. They don't, probably don't care about us too much. Um, that's it for a listener question or next week's question. What's your favorite comic strip? And this is including web comics. Okay, it's going to be so hard to narrow that down, Robbie. As you added <sighs> all the other stuff. Well, there's a lot of people who just don't have. Basically, man, there's, there's I'm going to here talking about feeling old. There's probably a segment of our, our listening audience that have never read a comic strip in a newspaper. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I stopped pretty much as soon as I left home. Uh, as soon as I, I graduated high school, I was like, nah. I mean, and there's, I, and that I was guarantee you, so. guarantee you, someone out there listening to this has never read a comic strip in a newspaper. They've only read web comics. And that's perfectly fine. I, there's nothing. I'm just, that's why I include web comics because otherwise people just can't answer. Like, oh, what's a comic? A paper? Newspaper? I have to buy a newspaper to read. <laughs> and let's be real comic strips are generally terrible. I can really think of about two comic strips off the top of my what? head that are actually good. All the rest of them, like, what? Oh. What are you talking about? Terrible. There's, uh, you know, the um, Beetle Bailey and uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. Garfield. Mm-hmm everyone's favorite cat and the only good garfield is the garfield without garfield there's a uh, dilbert everyone loves scott adams oh <laughs> robbie robbie do i have to hurt you do i have to hurt you i am not serious that's not that's there a are joke two good newspaper comic strips calvin and Hobbes and foxtrot that's it how about far side man far side's great oh i forgot far side was even in, in newspapers it's it's not just when they so, put in right. books, man. Far side, yeah. Was... Doonesbury. Doonesbury. I, I forgot about Doonesbury. It's hard See, to do off the top all of my right. Head. So this includes comic strips and web comics. Throw them out there. I'll use your best judgment. You always do. We move on to our next segment. It's time for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt. And I challenge each other with three trivia questions, one easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. Matt has a single point lead on me. Single. One point. No, I, I feel it today, Matt. Okay? I have it. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Is, I have the, the, the energy. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Okay. I'm crossing all my fingers. They're all crossed. All right. Would you like me to go first, then? Yes, please give me an, just, give me an easy question. Okay. All right. Robbie, all of your questions today are about crusty sidekicks. <sighs> All right, your easy question. Which of Krusty's sidekicks tried to kill him? Sideshow Bob. You are correct. Multiple times. All right, your easy question, Matt. All your questions are from Homer Defined. Oh, no. In Homer Defined, Homer saves a town from what? Nuclear meltdown. Correct. All right, your medium question. Which of Krusty's sidekicks was related to him? Uh, Sideshow Luke Perry. Oh, I didn't think you'd get that one. All right. All right. Matt, here. This is why, like, I might have remembered this regardless. Okay. But there's a wrestler, right, in AEW named (laughs) Jungle Boy Jack Perry, who is the son of Luke Perry. No way. Really? Really. And uh, 
people immediately, all the nerds who watch wrestling, which are most of them, who are wrestling fans are nerds, and are also, there's a big overlap, our Simpsons fans, they immediately went, oh, Jack Perry, he's related to Krusty. And now I'll never forget it. Wow. All right. All right. Now, I now guess, you know. Uh, I did not know that. So And everyone go. should uh, watch AEW. Jack Perry's a very good wrestler. He's a uh, Jungle Boy's great. I mean, he's son of Luke Perry. I'm sure he had to bob and weave a lot. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> to get it around in the paparazzi. He does look. You, 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 if you see his face, you immediately go, oh, yeah, definitely. That's Luke Perry's kid. <laughs> okay, he looks, okay. He looks, he's a handsome guy. Looks like Luke Perry. Your medium question, Matt. What kind of name, what kind of dog is Smithers' dog? What breed? And what is his name? Um, his name is uh, Hercules, and he's a Yorkie. <sighs> yes. Yes. Right. I love that side. <laughs> I hate you. He's kind of tiny, so how, it's a joke. How do you? I, I swear, I knew you know Hercules. I didn't think you'd remember that he's a Yorkshire Terrier. Yeah. Uh, okay. What's my hard question? All right, your hard question. What was the name of Krusty's puppet when he tried to copy Gabbo? I can picture the puppet. I can. It's so awful, and its mouth falls off. Um, this is my new pal, Yakko. Sorry, it's Alphonse. Alphonse? Oof. I wonder it failed. That's a terrible name. I thought they were going to. I thought he would mimic the. I can't remember. Okay, Matt, your hard question. What words are used to define Homer in Homer Defined? What words are used to define him? Three. There are I, I'm three not sure. words that, are, that they zoom in on the dictionary with a picture of Homer next to the words. Oh, at the very end? I mean, it's throughout the, it's throughout the episode. Oh, it's throughout the episode. Yes, yes. Um, one of them is Lucky. Um, oh, man. Uh, when they look up, I believe it's Fraud. And then I believe the last one is to pull a Homer is put in the dictionary to get lucky without really trying. Uh, but that, that's what I'm going to go with. So what are the three words? The three words are Homer, lucky, and fraud. You're correct. Oh, my God. Seriously? <laughs> I hate you, man. I hate you. I hate you. I'm so sorry, Robbie. I'm so sorry. <sighs> Three words. Cannot believe it's you It's Homer remember. Defined, man. That's a great... I've watched that episode so many times. Yeah, but you don't... You're three psychics. They never even... Okay. Matt's now again pulled ahead. I can't trust myself, Matt. That's what the day has revealed. Don't trust any feelings of optimism or positivity. Aw. That's what, that's what I've learned today. I was feeling good. Nope. It's a, it's a lie. Matt has a four-point lead on me now. Uh, claw my way back. I'm sorry, Robbie. It was, it was Homer defined. If you go, um, fine. No, all, you're getting season thirteen episodes from now on forever. No, that's all you're getting. I'm just gonna go through them all over and over again. All we're gonna do. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Okay. All right. We can move on to our final segment. The segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode. Ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically. So you watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Oh boy, let's scroll down. Let's scroll down on the list. I really don't like this one. Um, this goes real far down. Um, this. Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, I don't think it goes down in the 400s. 
No, it's not quite that bad. It's more boring and, 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 and nonsensical than just outright awful. Yeah. I uh, okay. I think I think it is at least better than Mona Leaves Uh, which is number three ninety three. Yeah, that one's real bad. Yeah, that's I'm just that's my minimum. Like I know it's better than that. Okay, like that's just like, okay. okay. I'm not gonna say how it could go much higher than that technically, but I it it's it is that it is the if this episode didn't have the weird romance stuff with Penelope, I would probably brush it off. It's another kind of boring meandering episode, right? There's a lot of them mm-hmm. lately. That's whatever. There's it would be probably fifty spots higher, but it's gross. I don't like it. I'm never gonna watch this episode again because of it. Um, on top of it, it's not funny. It makes no sense. There's five plots in it. None of them that follow through. Uh, so that's I I I make no bones about where I would want to, want it. Um, I think this is here. I'll say this again. I there's Thursdays with Amy. We just watched this. I think this is worse than Thursdays with Amy. I agree. I was gonna. I was actually gonna put the top at Mobile Homer, where Homer gets an RV. I think this is is worse than that. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know. I mean, two above that is GI Annoyed Grunt, and that one always stands out as uh, really stupid. Yes. But I mean, this episode is just all over the place. It's got four plots. None of them are ever done anything with. And the big problem I have with the main plot is the horrifically icky part that no one seems to mention. So it's also it's not icky, man. It's okay. Who cares? Who cares if this this, she was a little girl when she first loved him? And Krusty's just like, yeah, let's go with it. Oh boy. Okay. Um, I can't imagine it. Like it's literally like, um. I mean, I can't imagine. I just watched it. Uh, <laughs> I, I mobile Homer is bad though, and mobile Homer has jerk Homer in full effect. That's like mm-hmm. you have to keep that in mind. Mobile Homer has jerk Homer, um, and that's like the only thing. Like, it's also very bad. Um, it's not as icky in this case. It's just you know annoying for the most part. Um, Homer, like the Homer in this, isn't funny, but he's just a normal guy for the most part. So there is that. Like I'm, like count my blessings there. I guess. Um, you think this is better than Mobile Homer, or worse? Worse. I think this is worse than Mobile Homer. Okay, I'm not, I'm not necessarily. I, million Dollar AB. Um, no, what is Million Dollar AB again? I believe that's the one where Abe tries to kill himself with like the weird fancy, like the weird. Uh, oh God! I think that's what the one that was. Yeah, that's the expensive farmer. The, there's, there's the, the, there's like it's like the baseball commissioner thing. Like it's the town wants. It doesn't make any sense. Like it, it was football. Once they expand the league, they want a new team in Springfield, but then. Abe ruins it, so everyone hates him, so he wants to help him commit suicide, Going and he goes into a die pod, and he thinks uh, he's dead, and then we get, like, Pamplona thing going on, and maybe this is about, maybe know, this is better than that. <laughs> maybe this is better than that. You know what? You're right. I, yeah, I, although, no, there's no real gross romance stuff in Million Dollar AB. I'll give him that. Uh, that's fair. Because I would say, I mean, honestly, go ahead. What is the Homer of Seville? I forget what that one is. Where he sings opera on his back. Is that that one? Okay, that one's that one's bad, but I think that's the thing. I was going to look at that and I would say, like, I think this is worse than Homer of Seville. Yeah. Um, 
I think Homer's Seville is better than this. Although that is Love Springfieldian style, which is that the yes, that's the anthology episode with Sid and Nancy and and, and the dogs, them as dogs, is, yeah. and Bonnie and Clyde. I think that's better than this. Uh, unfortunately, yes. Gone, Maggie. Gone. That is the uh, National Treasure ripoff where Maggie is the secret to something. I think that's better than this. Really? Because that was the one I was going to go, hmm, that's real I, bad. I, I would rather watch it again. Wow. Okay. That's like the ultimate, like, I have to, like, figure it out. Is it, would I watch it? Which would I rather watch again? And I think it's that. Um, Dangerous Curves is the parody of um, Two for the Road. I think this is better than two. I'll say that. I think this episode is better than Dangerous Curves. Yeah, that's definitely true. Two for the Road is a great movie. Dangerous Curves is a terrible parody of it. Um, oh, I think awful. Just awful. This is better. So are we good with that, Matt? Below Gone Maggie, Gone Above Dangerous Curves? I think we are definitely good with that. Okay. Well, that's where we're going to put it. Once Upon a Time in Springfield, one of the top five most essential episodes of uh, The Simpsons ever. Essential. You have to watch it. You can't understand The Simpsons without it, Matt. That's what Al Jean says. Uh, I'm <laughs> not sure we can trust Al Jean he, anymore. He's ran the show for over two decades. And he says this episode is one of the top five most essential. It's laughable. It's absurd. I can't believe it. Like, I really want to ask Al Jean questions. I'm like, that'd be the first one. Be like, Al Jean, you once said these five episodes. Why? What's wrong with you? Did you just pick them out of a hat? All right. That's number 392 on the list, right below Gone Maggie, Gone, right above Dangerous Curves. Uh, number 200 on the post, Golden Years Ranking. Number one on our list is still Homer's Enemy. Last on our list is still Codependence Day. We are not done. We're almost done. But we're not done yet because we have one more thing to do. One more question to answer. That question is, do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! No. Yes. Yes, we fire. Shoot the, this yeah, out of the cannon. Yeah, fire the cannon. I wish I could fire it out of my brain. God, no! It's keep it away from me, please. Like I don't, Princess Penelope. What? Like poor Anne Hathaway. Like I get it. Like if someone came blindly yeah. offered, if the Simpsons came up to me and said, "Hey, we got we got a part for you. We want you to do," like they won't. I'm a nobody. But if we had a part for you, and if I read the script and I went, oh, God, this is so bad, I'd probably go, yeah, whatever. I'll still do it. <laughs> I, mean, I want to be on The Simpsons. Maybe I'd offer, like, can I rewrite it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, can I have some input on this? Can Maybe I have it? input on my part on the script, man? Maybe put it, like, can I be a script doctor? I'll do it for free as long as I get to still be on the show. They're probably like, no. We've been working on this for six weeks. I'm like, six weeks really okay um that's goodbye for <laughs> that's right. uh that's, that's a goodbye to once upon a time in springfield fire the cannon goodbye forever we ask the same question about every episode as we work our way down the list we are currently at number 123 very appropriate for this week Matt, because it is bart gets famous oh that's a good one it's a good episode yeah of course it stays i'm not, there's no there's no no hesitation on my part that's a that's a it's a good episode um i didn't do it I didn't do it. We got we get Conan. Conan's in that episode. Bart say we say the line. Say still only say, I may dance. Only I may dance. Say the line, Bart. Like it's yeah, it's great. Very quotable. Very funny. Um, crusty centric, and again another episode that did it way better than this one. 
that that idea way better um so that stays our next episode matt next week oh my lord guys i can't with this oh no oh no i can't that the name i just look at the title and i go oh it's called million dollar maybe you, like how many ways? Why, 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 why would I mouse over it? Is there an image of Coldplay? Coldplay's in it, Matt. Oh, Chris Martin is in it, I guess. The rest of Coldplay can go, go pound sand, I guess. Uh, but Chris Martin is in it. But apparently, Homer wins a million dollars in the lottery. <sighs> remember when The Simpsons were poor and it was occasionally a plot point? I remember when in the last season of the original run of Roseanne, they had her win the lottery because they were out of ideas. All <laughs> <laughs> right. And this, that's, uh, there you go. You guys, come on. Well, apparently Coldplay performs Vita La Vida in this episode. Well, we got that to look forward to for a whole week. Oh, I'm just reading more. Deal- Matt, this is a, I'm, I don't know. Don't, don't read it, Robbie. It, it'll be more fun to see it happen in real time. No, we can see we the won't. world ending. No, we won't. Second by uh, second. I I do much better when I have a, a, a good set of expectations, Matt. Okay. I, I generally, I, I feel better if I know something bad's coming versus I'm surprised by something bad. Um, They'll do it for us today. I'm Robbie Dorman. I'm online on Twitter as long as I don't know. Twitter seemingly is getting worse by the moment. I'm, I'm still hanging on, um, but I'm Robbie Dorman everywhere. You can also follow me on Instagram under, at Robbie Dorman. I actually post more there now on Instagram because it's somewhat more. And that's that's saying something when I go, you know what? Instagram's nicer than Twitter. Anyway, I'm Robbie Dorman. My website is robbydorman.com. You can join my newsletter. It has over a thousand subscribers. You get two free books by doing so. And that is the safest way to follow me without ever losing access because I own that. I own my website. You can follow that forever. Um, buy my books. Buy my books. Buy my books. I don't know when the next one's coming out because I'm moving to, to Florida and it's very stressful. And I should be preparing a book for, for publication right now, but that's not happening. Uh, it'll be fine. We'll get more books out this year. They'll happen. Uh, uh, Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Apparently, he's on Mastodon, though, but no one's going to join that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't toot ever because, you know, who, <laughs> I who wants don't, to toot? Uh, I don't toot. I joined this service i never use oh no i use it to read all people's stuff all the time and you know uh, and boost it but i i never actually say anything of my own because i don't have any important thoughts all my important thoughts are funneled through the podcast so that's where that is i do however spend all my time taking care of kittens and other small animals uh if you'd like to see what's behind that cryptic message you can follow kitten turns k-i-t-t-i-n-t-e-r-n-s on instagram uh where you can see our newest recruit and uh, his little friends who will be premiering any day now. What does that mean? I guess you'll just have to follow and see Robbie. All right. That's it. Uh, I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching.